titled The Final Battle Within and Without. Uh, we're learning about uncovering the deepest truths of who we are. And when we do that, how the the klipa, how the fake superficial external self uh, that plagues, that has been asserting itself throughout all of history and also in in our own lives melts away without a war even there's no conflict anymore talking about the internal struggle we are holding chapter 10. so we learned that there's three levels in love to god three levels in connection based on these three levels of love will be decided how the enemy which is the side of ourselves that is not interested in in living a higher life a more meaningful life but wants to live just a selfish material existence um the animal soul within man um it, how it responds so if the drive is called with all our heart which means it's coming from our uh, human perception of god's greatness and god's and god's truth and as a result of that we create a motivation and an excitement to serve god then we have to deal with the other side the animal soul also has its ideas the animalistic consciousness in man also has a philosophy um it also has a a reasoning and a and and could create uh and, and obviously it's very strong in its emotions its excitement it doesn't take much to think it doesn't have to think too much it gets excited very easily about its own shenanigans so that's where there's a is a bloody battlefield it's a bloody it's a bloody war but then there's a higher level <coughs> which is with all your soul when one uncovers the deeper level of all your soul, which means you're loving God not just with the narrow perception of one's mind and understanding, in other words, God as he is perceived through our human faculties, but rather unplugging the soul, natural love to God, drive to God that is not inhibited or not limited by the understanding, by the, by the vessels, by the containers of the human, by the mind and the heart, but just allowing the 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 unrestricted or unadulterated desire of the soul which is called the makif the encompassing level of soul the chaya a will that's beyond reason to manifest and reveal itself when that happens that's called with all your soul the drive is a, a drive of madness it's a very intense love because that's such an intense love what happens to the animal side in man is that it it goes into shock. It, it it gets overwhelmed by the by by the intensity. It might even join along in the excitement of the soul. It might even jo join the godly soul's party. But but however, it's limited because you haven't fundamentally, essentially flipped it over. It's just that the will of the godly soul has overpowered the will of the animal soul. You're still functioning on the level of expression, the level of will. But then there is a deeper level, and that's what we're learning is where the 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 b'shalim nafshi. So we're going to be learning later where the peace, where the redemption happens in peace, is when one uncovers their very very divine essence of being. That's called the yechida. And in terms of um, the levels of soul, it's the fifth level of the soul. It is the farthest away from our consciousness. It's the farthest away from our um, our human faculties. And therefore, it's called um, an encompassing energy. And it's not just encompassing relative to the vessels. It's essentially encompassing, which means it's it's bigger, it's infinite. Its attachment to God is absolute and unchanging. As we learned yesterday and in the class before this, it's deeper than desire and it's deeper than pleasure. It just is one with the divine. It's the source from where all pleasure and, de and desire come from. And when that level of soul is tapped and revealed within a person's consciousness, then the battle is over forever and ever. Because one then completely flips the animal, the animal side of the human, the side of the human that is attached to physicality and to the pleasure of the physical world, it completely dissolves into the godly. And uh, this level is constant. It doesn't change. It's not like in the level of desire, it changes because you can have a powerful desire and desire can subside. Yesterday I gave an example of having a powerful wind blowing. Wind is not a constant state. The wind could be blowing, but the wind could subside. This is deeper than the wind of the soul. This is the soul itself. And therefore it never has a change of heart. It is. And if you can 
obviously it's very, very hard to bring this into, into consciousness. Into it. We were learning yesterday in the earlier class I gave yesterday that this level of soul is what appears in the Messianic age. That's when this depth of essence is going to be revealed. Okay. So now we're holding chapter 10. And to understand all of this with added explanation, in this level of Mesiris Nefesh, this level of, of, of giving oneself over to God, from the very essence, Haniskaliel that was mentioned earlier, which is higher than just giving over the will. You're operating not just from your will, you're operating from a much deeper place even than will. We find something similar to this, a canal and the like, the Indian Hishtavus, in the idea of equanimity, which we discussed earlier, when a person reaches this level of uh, this level of 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 identity, this level of depth of of godly soul, and, and to the point where a person becomes a godly being, then we learned we reach a level of equanimity, which means all matters of the material world are equal, whether you have it or you don't have it, <clears throat> doesn't make a, even the tiniest, slightest dent in a person's in a person's satisfaction. Or, comf or comfort, because their life is just their spiritual godly life. The physical doesn't mean anything anymore, other than the physical is an instrument to serve God. But other than that, it has no interest at all, because life itself, it, the person is living divinity. Their life is divine. It's no more an excitement about the divine. It's not like we're living human life that I'm excited about, my creator, my God. I am one with my creator. And at that level, the material, physical stuff become absolutely, um, utterly meaningless. When you do something against a person's will, it's not considered in any way painful or any or any way causing any types of discomfort. So he says we can find something similar to this. He's going to bring an example, not just in the religious sector, but he's going to give an example that it's possible to have such a level of connection to somebody in interpersonal relationships in a friendship. A person can become a, another person's friend so deeply that the other person becomes more important than self. And to the point that the other individual becomes like a couple can get can, can start loving each other on such a deep level that to the husband, the wife being happy and her being satisfied and her having what she needs or being safe uh, can be at the cost of everything. He'll, 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 he'll actually be willing even to, to accept any type of pain, suffering, so that his wife will be fine, or the wife versus the husband. It can be such a bond. He's going to show that it's possible in friendship to reach that level. And he's going to give us the various different levels of commitment. He's going to show the three levels that we discussed earlier of how of loving God, and we spoke in the religious sector, in the connection to God, we in our spiritual lives, we spoke about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, as three levels of, of complete different levels of experience. He's going to show that these are possible in relationships as well. Also in the love and a friendship of good friends who love each other, who are, who are devoted in their love. That the true love of someone, when someone says you're that they're your friend, how can you really believe them if they're really your friend? It will only be recognized in the day of trouble. When you are in trouble, will this person come 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 around to 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 help you out, to take you out of your pain? And how much are they willing to how much are they willing to endure? How much are they willing to spend? How much are they willing to sacrifice of their own life? For, for for you. Then you know who's your real friend. On the day of trouble. Is where a person gives his soul up literally for their friend. As it is known. We will see we see that our friendships where one party, one person will completely throw their soul, meaning give themselves up completely to save their fellow from their trouble. There's the famous story of the person that was the king that had someone ready to be hung up. They had already the, they took him up onto the, onto the, um, how do they call it, the hanging uh, place. And they put, had the noose all ready. And he had his neck already, the rope was around the person's neck, ready to open the trap door beneath him and the person would die. 
And at that moment, a friend, someone came running and called and cried out and said, no, 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 please, please let take him down, take him down, take me instead. I'm offering to be go instead of this person. So the king said, let it be. They took this individual, they took off the, the, the rope from his head and they put, they put it on around the neck of the other. Suddenly the other guy who was the first one to be killed, who was supposed to be killed, um, turns to the king and starts begging him, please, please don't let my friend die on my behalf. Let me, let me, let put me back. It's, it's, it's me that's supposed to die, not him. And it goes back and forth. The two of them are literally crying. You see that they really mean it. They're ready. And the king says, take them both down. I don't want to kill any of them. There's an amazing friendship. And the king said, only thing I'm asking is allow me to be a third party in this friendship. I too want to join in this love. I want to have a friend on this level of friendship. So um, this is the idea that sometimes we see that someone is willing to take the bullet for someone else. And the person will, won't care on spending all their money or even in the very life, and a person will be willing to endanger themselves, and a person will be accepting upon themselves infliction for their body, even to the point of allowing themselves to be tortured, in order that their, their, their fellow that they care so much about, their loved one, should be saved. Even to the very, even to extraordinary measures of suffering for someone else. The Kiddu as it is known. But however, we see he's going to differentiate. If you want to know how deeply attached the two are, there's two general levels in this type of in this type of sacrifice that one makes for the other. It's very noble, but let's see that in this itself we can det detect two levels of commitment. Even though a person sacrifices himself completely in money, financially, or in their body, and they accept with love all pain of their body, only to save their fellow. Nevertheless, however, when they are now being treated to the harshness, when they are being thrown into prison, and they're in, and they are in solitary confinement, and they're, and it's miserable. It's a cold cell, and there are all kinds of, you know creepy crawly stuff over there and it's in, in a dark damp horrible dungeon they're blindfolded they're sitting with their hands tied tightly behind their back and they feel i don't know what rats and who knows running over them and they're suffering they didn't have to do this they willfully chose to save their their the, the one that they love so much but at the moment that they're going through this they feel a lot of pain it hurts them they just know it was worth it it's not that they regret it they still feel that they can they try to conjure up in their mind the feeling of their loved one not being in this in this situation. Let's say a person exchanges their own child. So you feel very good that your little child is, is not like it's think about it, hostages in Israel, in Hamas. I'm sure there were many parents who were willing to go in instead of their children. Children that might have been willing to go instead of their parents. Right? Husbands that would be willing to go sit instead of their wives. God forbid what they're going through. So, but at the same time, they would be feeling the pain. They feel the pain, they feel the danger of what they're going through in their body and in their soul. It, it, it hurts them deeply. Because their love is so intense. They love the other person, their friend, their, their, their spouse so deeply. Like their own self. The feeling of love towards their friend prevails and intensifies over their love that they care about themselves. In other words, I still have a care about my own life, about my own comfort, loving myself and loving my body and loving my money, and, and, and one's uh, uh, money, uh, but, but because I love you more, I'm willing to sacrifice to throw it off and completely disregard it because I know I'm doing something so special, I'm saving you. Saving their the, the, the soul of their friend. And even in this, where they feel pain, even in this, the friend, in other words, the first level is they feel pain. However, in the pain itself, that itself could be, could be, there could be levels on it. The lowest level, meaning which indicates that they love their friend, but it's not that deep, not so deep, is in a case where. It's deep enough that they're willing to to replace them, to go or put them through agony and pain, but they 
experience immense suffering. They're sitting and they're crying and they're weeping and they're they're really going through a miserable, miserable time. But they tolerate it. And when you ask them, would you rather that we release you and put your, your child back into this dungeon? Say, no, no, no. But at the same time, all, all that it is, they're barely tolerating it. They're able to tolerate. They take it because they're taking it on willfully. They're tolerating all the pain and suffering. and the dangers. The fact that they're tolerating, meaning that they're still feeling all this immense pain, and they're just tolerating it for the sake of someone else, means that they feel the pain very deeply. They're willing to tolerate Laman Ava, they're sacrificing. They feel they're making a tremendous sacrifice. Laman Ava for the sake of love. Then there is a higher level, meaning a deeper bond, where you become so identified with the one that you're loving that you can always feel, in other words, you feel the fact that they are safe and that they're in a good place and they're not being harmed. And you'd so mentally and emotionally connect to their tranquility and peace that their that their child or whatever is feeling that that or that that they could have been in the suffering and they're not and that gives such a good feeling to them that that feeling overpowers the suffering but they still feel the, their own pain but it's 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 as if they've been gotten a a a, a um it's as if they've gotten a a painkiller because the pain is not as intense why? Because there is something, a tranquilizer, that's tranquilizing the pain. And what is that? The joy that they're feeling for the redemption or the the um, the exoneration of their beloved one. It's not just that they're tolerating. They're feeling love and they're feeling desire. And therefore they don't feel so much the pain. And the suffering, because true, there is pain. Their body is very uncomfortable, and it might be hurting. But because their love for their beloved one is so powerful and occupies so much space in their psyche, occupies so much of their consciousness that it drowns out their own personal pain. It's almost like. 95 of my uh, uh, 90 percent of my consciousness or let's say 80 percent of my consciousness is my loved one and 20 percent i leave for myself so but if if 80 percent i know my beloved is in a good space so that and they could have been god forbid suffering what i'm going through and they're now safe that makes me feel so immensely good that i don't even feel i only feel my pain 20 percent of what i should be feeling Kind of that's the idea that he's saying. It's a bitulam because it's nullified bimiut betachlis in in its in its minority. It is so legab oir aved because of the light of the great love that they have to their fellow, to the soul of their friend. and their deep, deep, deep friend. In other words, I know that I'm suffering for you, and I know you're in a good space. That makes that makes it for me. Um, that makes it okay. However, even in this case, so this would be equivalent, in the first case would be equivalent to there is a conflict. There is, there, there is intense feeling of back and forth, but I'm prevailing and doing, doing the right thing, although it's hurting me immensely. The second case is that the, 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 the personal um, pain and suffering is being canceled by the immensity of the love. So then the immense love is, so that's similar to when the godly soul overpowers the animal soul's um, entire agenda and being, and its its life, you know, um, it's 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 uh, it's um, it's uh, experience. The godly experience overpowers the animal experience, but only by overpowering it because it's the godly experience is so intense. So you forget your animal experience, but the animal experience has not been completely eradicated so quietly the animal soul suffers if it's not getting its physical pleasures because you're busy doing godly things and the animal soul would like to have and experience the various different nice things of the physical life but it's being overpowered by the godly experiences and to the point where where the conscious of the consciousness of the person almost forgets about 
the discomforts, but it's still quietly there. And this is the same idea that he's explaining over here, how you can see it in a friendship where a person still feels pain, but it's but it's but it's swamped out by by the by the by their love for their fellow. And like we spoke earlier about the two souls, when there are two wills conflicting with each other, when one person prevails over the other, when it's two different people fighting with each other, one can cancel the other, so we can see as it is within a person himself, two different elements are conflicting. My love for you is, is, being, is being challenged with my love for myself. And, and But my love for you is overpowering. Even if I can cause the, the, the other will to become nullified because it's so minute, it's so little, compared to the majority of the love, majority of the, of the, of the sensation right now, I'm feeling so much my connection to you. However, just like we spoke earlier, that a wind can be blowing very inter- very powerfully and it can carry a person, but the wind could subside. It's possible that I'm sitting there in this dungeon and I'm feeling so good about my, the fact that my child is in a good place, but then the, the love to my child will, for whatever reason, kind of like, you know, weaken in my consciousness. It won't be in the focus. And suddenly I will start feeling how cold and damp and uncomfortable I am and how miserable I am. So it's possible for a person to feel that canal being in a scholar's Eshemayim We said how even when fire and water mix together and one cancels the other, you can still un- uncancel it. However, if a person bonds with another person on the level of their essence, like the love, like David, King David had to Jonathan, to Yonason, Yonason and David had a love that was so deep where the verse itself, scripture itself says, the verse itself says that he loved him like he loved himself. At the very level of essence. To the point that they cease to be two people. They become literally one person, one soul. So then I can so identify with you that I don't, that that who is me, who am I? I am one with your soul, with you. So if you are, if you're in a good place, that's all that matters. I have nothing left. I have nothing that I care about other than you and your happiness. Nothing of self, because myself has become you. That's how deep the love can go. And at that point, the person can reach. I mean, it's so hard for us to imagine this, but they can reach a point that they can experience pleasure and delight while they're sitting in that dungeon. And that's all that they feel. Because all they experience is the fact that you could have been here and you're not here and you're in this beautiful place now and you're safe and you're sound and you're not suffering and you're good. And therefore, obviously, the suffering that will happen is because if you know that your friend is miserable or your child is miserable, that you're there. So that, that obviously would always be the disturbing thought because you know how much they're in pain from the fact that you took their place. But if we can kind of move that away and not, not think about that, just think about the state of being of the, of, the, of the fact that I was able to take your place and you're not going through this and, and that, you're, that can give such a deep sense sensation and such a deep joy that they don't even feel pain anymore. That's what he's talking about. That's the ultimate. And that corresponds to the level of Bechol Maodecha when the godly soul cancels the animal soul so much that the animal soul ceases to exist. <coughs> One's materialistic existence has become canceled so deeply that it ceases to exist completely. It joins the godly existence. And if the godly soul is happy because it can serve God, therefore, no matter how much suffering and pain I have in my physical life, it becomes meaningless. Like we told the story of Reb Zusha, who's, who, was, who lived a very, very hard, difficult life. And yet, when they asked him, how do you thank God for the bad stuff in life? like in the same way, like you, you, when, when it's good, he wondered and he said, I don't understand why you're asking me. I did not have a bad day in my life. He is talking about a person <laughs> who can sit and bemoan his suffering of his poverty and his family and the illnesses and whatever else he had. The guy had nothing. And yet he was so, he never had a bad moment because spiritually he was so rich and he was living in such connection to God that his physical existence just melted away completely. It was a non-factor. 
That's the point that he's talking about. So back to the interpersonal relationship, the two friends. At that point, you don't feel any more in the pain, in the suffering, in the pain, and the dangers. When when he's put when a person is putting himself in danger for the sake of their fellow, who doesn't bother them. They don't feel an angst. They don't feel nervous. They feel joy. Not only do they don't they feel it in a manner of pain and suffering, but on the contrary, and actually is filled with love. They're feeling positive energies. In the day, in the darkness and in the difficulty, they're feeling warmth, they're feeling love, they're feeling pleasure. The simcha gedoyla and great joy. Like we discussed earlier, what in our religious, in our connection to in our spiritual level, our connection to God, like we learned earlier, that a person can reach to equanimity, so you can bless God for the bad things in life, like the good, without any feeling that. I'm losing something in my life because I don't have something in the material. This can only happen when you become so essentially one with, with an essential bond with the soul of one's friend. To reach a point that all pain, all suffering, and pain in one's own soul. Turn over the page to page 110. Do not occupy any space in a person's psyche. There's nothing, it, the fact, so it's not that the body is not hurting, but I don't even feel it. The kolom mamish chashiv, because it's considered not, comparison to the essence, kanal, it's considered nothing in comparison to the essence when the essence has been relocated, so to speak, when the essence has been, um, when the essence of the person is given over to someone else then the the or the emanations that are going to come out are obviously all going to be in that side there's nothing left on the other side therefore the pain the the suffering and the pain which he's receiving as a result of saving his fellow his fellow friend it's not even called they don't even know they don't even feel like a sacrifice they don't feel any pain. It's not in a way of tolerating. Or in a way of or in a way that it's canceled in the majority. Rather, it comes about in a manner of pleasure and joy. Because the physical, earthy side doesn't occupy any space at all. You see, when is it possible to feel pain and suffering? Only when there is still desire and 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 longing, or 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 pleasure. Because if I have pleasure still and and desire in my own life. If I still have an identity for self, and therefore when something is negating itself, it causes me pain. But if I have so melted into you, very noble this, right? A person has so melted into their significant other to the point that I have no self anymore. So if you contradict me, it's not hurting me because I have no pleasure in self. My entire pleasure becomes your existence. Obviously with humans, it's very hard for that kind of a, a, the dedication to happen. But with God, we can understand how how that's obviously deserving and possible to reach such a level of commitment and oneness. But the essence is higher than pleasure and will. And if I've given you my essence, then I haven't just given you my will and my desire to be to be connected to you and my pleasure, I'm not just connecting you through my pleasure, that I have pleasure in you. I am you. That's the point. And in this case, with God, I am my divine soul, which is one with God. And I'm going to, I would be giving everything. And I don't really feel like I'm giving anything. This is my life. And that's it. And as long as this is where I am, I'm so happy. The fact that there is a certain, my, the material, physical self is, is not doing so well, it becomes utterly irrelevant because there's no pleasure left. 
because there's no essence left there. My life is no more material. My life has now become divine. Um, and with this we'll understand with added explanation, the idea that we spoke earlier, the concept of all your might. And the same is also in our connection with God. He says, the spalus atmos, the the one has awakened themselves on a very core essential level, the halacha shiv in which all desires and wants are considered not and nothing in compares to in comparison to this to this will. And desire and any kind of desire means is becomes meaningless. And therefore, when you're canceling all of the other desires that a person has, is loy nikra yasurim, it's not called pain, alatainik vasimcha, only pleasure and, and joy. Because when a person has nullified themselves completely into, a, again, when we speak about nullification, abnegation, we shouldn't see this as destruction. Quite in the country, this is the ultimate liberation. You're liberating yourself from the narrowness of self and you're becoming, your true identity is becoming the ultimate identity. You're identifying with God who is the truth of everything. Now you're infinitely bigger and endlessly higher than who you were before. You are one with God. And then if there's any pains or 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 pleasure that is contradicting my small, puny, little nothing of self, I, I don't have that self anymore. I've completely identified with a higher being. As we said earlier, because of the reason that we explained earlier, and it is enough to those who understand. So with this, we finish chapter 10. So now we're going to start chapter 11. However, we're not going to finish chapter 11 in this class. We're going to go halfway through chapter 11, Bezer Sashem. And then we're, in the next class, we're going to finish chapter 11 and chapter 12. And with that, we will conclude the discourse. In Mikol Hanal Yuvan, which is, fits because it should be five classes because there are five levels of soul that we're talking about. In Mikol Hanal, this is class number four. In Mikol Hanal Yuvan Nafshi. With all of this, now he rounds back and he comes back to the opening verse at the beginning of the discourse. Where King David says in chapter 55 in Psalms, David HaMelech says, You redeemed in peace my soul. So what does this mean, you redeemed in peace my soul? It's referring to the redemption of one's own godly soul. In other words, he's going to explain how this refers to the collective soul of Israel, King David. But it also refers to each and every person individually. We all have conflict in our life. We have enemies. The enemies are the side of ourselves that is not doesn't want to let us live our godly our godly potential our true meaningful life the temporal self that's trying to that's trying to impede on the etern, on the eternal self the higher self that's your enemy because it wants to drag us down into 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 um into uh what do we call it um uh what do we call it when what was I was looking for a word, a good word? A, a human life that has to end. Uh, I forgot the name of it. What was the word that's that's used for for being? Ugh, I don't know why the word flew out of my head. In any case, so that's considered our enemy. That's considered our the enemy of our eternal life, our true self. So how do you? So how do? You, so we can either live and serve our Creator, and be living a big, a higher life as a vehicle and as expression of God, or we can be living a minimum, a a, a a a a a animalistic, you know, meaningless existence. So, and it's a conflict all of our life. It's a bloody battle, as we all know. And we all, we, all, we all suffer from this battle because we would all like to live on a higher plane, but we get dragged down by ourself. Our enemy is ourself, our, our foolish, superficial, um, 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 you know, sh external shell that claims to be our true self. And we know it's not true. And that's why every time we give into it, we feel miserable afterwards. So how do you, how do you, so King David is saying, but, there is a way that you win the battle, and you win the battles, but you, you're, you're constantly a warrior. You're fighting your entire life. 
How can it be that we God, we say, God, you have redeemed my soul in peace? That means that there's no more opposition. Ah, that can happen because you've helped me uncover my deepest truth of my of my soul. You helped me access my essence. And once I access my essence, then war is over. The war has ended. There's no more opposition. And I won't have any more conflict in my life. That's what he's going to explain in this in this chapter. The root of the idea of being redeemed my soul in peace. When it says my soul, it's referring to our true soul, our godly soul. And there's two general levels of our soul. When it's still waging war with the animal soul, to prevail over it, and to convert her, as we said earlier, I have to give over my desire, which means I have unholy desires. I have, I have earthy, physical, materialistic, non-godly desires. And I really feel that I want them. And I have to overpower them by, by employing my higher, my higher self, by reaching out to my deeper, higher self, and evoking within it holy desire, godly desire, to overpower on my, my, base, my base instinctive, physical instincts. Is, and, and when I do that, I am overpowering a desire. It's called Nasiris Haratz, and I'm giving up my desire for God. But that comes in a way of war. There is a wounded party. <laughs> that means sometimes you feel that you did something right, and you but you missed out on doing a sin. And there's a certain part of you that feels, oh, I could have had a good time. And you're bleeding because of that. There's a certain part that's injured. It's not that bad. Don't worry. We always feel good when that happens. But still, there's a certain injury. It happens, it comes in a way of war and victory. At the time of prayer, is a time of battle, like we discussed earlier. This is the love of all your heart. And even a higher level, even if you can unplug the natural desire of the soul, like we mentioned in the beginning of the class. But it's still, they're still canceling another, uh, an opposing desire. You're canceling something. But the second level, and this is what he re referred to earlier as the third level, but over here he calls it, he's just dividing it into general, into two levels. The second level, which is the desired state, is the level of peace. Is the level of all your might. Which is which the Mesiris Nefesh, the giving oneself over to God, is not on a level of giving over my desire, but I'm giving over my entire being. I have ceased to exist as a human being. I have completely identified as, 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 as God coming through my body. I have no other self other than you, God, Hashem. That's the idea. That is completely beyond war. Canal. And when this happens, again, the animal soul melts completely. This is the meaning. I have redeemed in peace my soul. There is a high level in the godly soul. This is the highest level of the soul called the Yechida, the part of our soul where we are one with God. We're not, we don't have philosophical, high, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, spiritual philosophies. We don't have spiritual motivation. We don't even have a mad desire to cleave and to cling to God, to truth. We are one with truth. That's Yechida. The, the, the essence of the godly soul, when this, when we can unplug and open ourselves up on this level, then the soul has a peaceful redemption. Without any war at all. With this, he concluded the whole mimer, the idea of what does it mean? I redeemed myself in peace. The dialogue is enough to those who understand. And now, therefore, he's going to go ahead and he can explain what that means. The explanation of the matter movement is understood. I'll be calling now based on everything that we've spoken earlier. By the primary difference, by giving over one's will in which there is still conflict, which is one level, to the other level, which is the higher level, to an essential to an essential giving oneself over. Because when you're giving yourself over through war, then there is still pain. There is still some pain left over 
in the side of self that has not that has been sacrificed. Because I've decided that I'm going to work very diligently and hard to do the godly thing in my life. But in that sense, I'm depriving a little bit my natural, my natural comforts, my natural self. And it's causing me a little, a little, there's a certain part of me that's hurting. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm disregarding those feelings. It's like the person sitting in jail in prison for the other. They feel the discomfort, but 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 they but they choose to do it anyways because their desire for their friend is stronger in this case the desire for god is overpowering my my human desires that's not peace because there's still there's still someone who has a grudge my body feels a, gr a grudge against my soul because the whole idea of peace that i sit in complete tranquility there's no resistance there's nothing impeding <coughs> There's nothing that's there's nothing poking me. that should cause pain and 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 When someone has reached this level, that they have so godly godlessized their entire existence, a new word, godlessized. They have so completely in, submerged themselves into oneness with God. To the point that it doesn't, they don't feel anything when it's when it's when there's anything in their life that is not not um, not uh, uh, satisfactory, if you might say, to the physical body or to the physical elements of life. Doesn't bother them at all. That's called peace, internal peace. Because all foreign thoughts and all foreign desires have become nullified essentially. And therefore, since it's essentially not there anymore, without any pain in their soul at all, on not having this, this experience anymore. It's just completely gone. There's no feeling for it at all. And it's completely disintegrated. And this can only happen when the holy essence of the holy soul has become excited, which means you have opened yourself, your consciousness up to the depth, to the essence of one's of one's higher self. And therefore, all the nullifications of all other desires, like Nikra Yasudim Klau are not called painful at all. They're only now referred, they only, the only experience is pleasure and joy. The godly soul is now, doesn't have any more opposing force. There is nothing that can cause the godly soul any interference. The person can live their godly life, fulfilling their the mitzvahs, studying Torah, shining light and helping people, and doing good, 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 good all day long. And there's never any sense of someone, you know, someone impeding on this tranquility and love, because there's no one else there other than your godly soul. Because the opposing force, has become essentially nullified, and without a war. You're not overpowering. You're just deepening your 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 yourself of who you really are, and gone is the 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 fraud the fraudulent self. It doesn't exist anymore. And the reason why it's so powerful that the other side, why can't the essence of the other side fight back when the essence of the godly is revealed? So he explains because once you uncover the essence of the godly, you've uncovered God Himself. It's not a See, until you don't get to your yechida, you're still a creation. And if you're a creation, you're a holy creation. So holiness could be challenged by the unholy. Holy creations are challenged by unholy creations. But once you uncover your yechida, you're no more a holy being. Your identity is your is is God. The divinity in your soul is your is your identity. Once God is exposed, no one can challenge God. 
because in the Yechida, Meir Oir Eliki, inside the Yechida shines divine light. Mamish, Shenikrat Selim Elokim, it's called the image of God. You've exposed your image of God that's in you. Kanal, which over according to, his, according to the deeper understanding, is not just an image of God, it's a spark of God, literally. Then the steam of the animal soul has completely been knocked out of it. All will, all desire of the animal soul has become essentially, it's almost like a person gets castrated. So all sexual desire is gone. Now it's possible, I would imagine, that they still that a person can still have a mental connection because of uh, imagine if someone has been castrated from when they were they were a child so they never feel felt ever a sexual urge so it doesn't exist in them it disappeared so we, we understand if a person had it and then this happened to them then they still be at least mentally still connecting to those to that kind of a desire but if but in this case, it's almost like the godly soul castrates the animal soul completely, not just from sexual desires, from anything else. And and and, and you would think, oh, God, that's poor, poor thing. Not poor thing. Now you can live purely divine life, a purely godly life, which is a million gazillion times more pleasurable, delightful, and satisfactory because it's infinite. Like, and it, the way it works is that when, when fire is burning, fi the fire melts the wax. It's not that the fire is fighting with the wax. There's no conflict. The wax gives away for the fire. The heat just causes the, the, the wax to dissipate. So when you have your godly, your heat, your, your fire of godliness shining in, inside of you, all opposition just melts away completely and there still there's nothing left. Canal de Kalochshev, it becomes not. This is the peace that we're talking about. That's above the, the war. Now, when is the world going to be in such a state? See, there is the macro and the micro. See, we were talking till now in the in the micro. Now he's going to introduce the macro, the entire the 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 the, 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 the global experience. See, until Mashiach is here, there's there there has always been. There have been times when holy forces were dominating the world and times when the unholy was dominating. So there was always battle and conflict between good and evil. When Mashiach will come, it will be peace forever. Why? Because this level of consciousness will be revealed in the world. God's essence will be revealed within the creation. That God is the essence and he's the essence of everything. And once the God as the essence of everything will be revealed, so nothing ungodly is even possible forever to emerge. It's impossible. It can't happen. As long as God's essence is not revealed. Instead, what is experienced in the world are the divine illuminations. So just like there are divine illuminations, divine lights, there are forces of darkness that contradict the divine lights satanic forces and they clash with each other and god wanted it that way but once the world is ready for god himself to move in meaning to say to exp to reveal his essence in the creation then everything essentially becomes godly and evil has disintegrated completely without a trace left and it can never come back. It can never resurge. Now, how is the creation going to come to such a level? How is it going to happen in the entire world? He's going to explain that that's that's the that's Mashiach's soul. Through Mashiach, Mashiach in Mashiach's soul, God will reveal Himself. As we discussed yesterday in the earlier class, it's very worth listening to the class called "Wake Up, Mashiach is Here" that I gave yesterday. In that class, we discussed. Now, in Mashiach's souls, God's essence is revealed, and Mashiach's soul is the essence. His essence is one with the essence of God, and he is the root soul of this level of consciousness in all of the Jewish people. And when he turn, when he reveals himself, he enables this level of essence to be revealed in all souls. And once it's revealed in all souls, it can then later be revealed in the rest of humanity and in the entire world. 
and then everything changes. So he's going to give us that process right now. But what the, what the middle Rebbe is saying is that it's possible for a person to reach this level even today's days. We can reach this to tzaddikim only. Great people can reach this. But when Mashiach will come, this will become the state of existence for everybody. There won't be any more wars, as it says. The nation will not lift the sword up against the other. That evil will be nullified in its essence. Not, no, I'm sorry, he's not referring to evil. He's saying all of existence will have an essential nullification to God. In all of creations. Even the evil of Noga will be, will be completely transformed. Noga is the klipa. Because God will turn on him, his, his, the consciousness of God will be intensified in the world. That means there will be more godly revelation. He's not so explicit over here, but maybe later he says, the essence of God will be revealing itself in the world. And that will cause that it will affect all of the world. As it says, they will not do any bad anymore. And there won't be any more violence. And that's a verse in Isaiah chapter 11, actually. This is also chapter 11 in this book. It also says over there, that the predatory nature of animals will also cease. This will affect even animals. They'll feel different. A lion, because the animal, the lion, will be so, so conscious of God that it won't be able to kill another one of God's creatures. It will have to find lunch elsewhere. And the verse says lions will eat grain in the same way like cattle does. Like, like, uh, yeah. And so too in humans, in the nations of the world where many of them are evil, like Hamas and others. Because if it says, that all the nations in the world will flock to God, they'll all be seeking only one thing, to come close and to, to seek out divine wisdom and divine illumination. Everybody will attract, be attracted to one thing and one thing only, the knowledge of God. They will be completely nullified. Without war. The consciousness will change. There'll be a massive shift in global consciousness. So much so that people will feel so so God so strongly that people will run into caves because of the dread of God. And this is unlike the days of King David. That was also a time when the divine kingdom was manifesting. But by King David, the, the God's God's the consciousness of the world was not yet godly. So King David had to fight physical battles against. Not like in the days of David and, and Joshua. That were required to conquer through war. And the reason why, because they did not have that level of divine revelation did not exist in the past. That's why they had to fight. And that's because it's all dependent. It's all, it's all, it's all connected to Mashiach himself. That's because in Mashiach himself, he is Galus. In his soul will be the revelation, the Pchinus Pnimius Atik Yomen, the innermost of the ancient of days. We know that there's, 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 there are, there are Sephirot attributes through which God shines into the world. So the attributes start with Malchus, it's the most diminished divine attribute, the attribute of kingship, which is now the force of God that, inter, that he interplays with creation. Higher than Malchus are the divine emotions. The Malchus is divine speech. God creates the world through his speech. So it's so it's almost as if God is outside of the world, but he's delivering his speech into the world. Then there is deeper level of the divine called the divine emotions, which certain times these divine emotions were experienced and felt within creation. It's a higher revelation. Then there is a level of divine intelligence, which is higher than the divine emotions. Which by the giving of the Torah, the divine intelligence was released into the world. Higher revelation. And then there is higher than the divine intelligence, the, 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 the infinite light of God called Keter, the crown. That's kind of outside of the experiences of the creation. And therefore the creations are numb to it. They have no clue. They're oblivious to it. It's kind of outside of... When that is revealed, miracles happen. It's enormous, powerful, something like the lights of the story of Hanukkah. Like powerful, godly revelations sweep through the world. And the world experiences intensified godly consciousness. But it can be temporary. It's not all forever. That's called Keter. The lights of the Keter. The, the crown is revealed. 
then in Keser itself, there is the higher side of Keter, which is called Atikiyomen, the Ancient of Days. And that was revealed, that level of, of divinity was revealed in creation, maybe by the, the moment of the Exodus. And when God gave the Torah, at that incredible moment, the Ancient of Days was revealed, which is God's truth as God is. But then, I mean, is God's revelation as God is revealing his light, not to the creation, but utterly like to himself. But he says by Mashiach, it's even deeper. The innermost of Atik Yomen, of the ancient of days. Wow. And that's what? That's God's essence himself. And that will be revealed in Mashiach's soul. Mashiach will experience this level of divine, of, of God's, God's truth will be... He will be conscious and experience. He will be unified. You can't be conscious of this and be anybody else. He will experience himself completely one with this absoluteness of God's truth. The innermost of the ancient of days, the first three, which is the Chabad, the Chachma Bin Adas, the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge of Atik Yoman, of the ancient of days. Hanikra Galgalta, which is called the skull, the skull of God. Which over there, on that level, shines the essence of the infinite one, blessed is he. And that's much higher even than divine desire. It's divine essence. It's even higher than, than will, than divine will, and even higher than the will of all wills. Makar kolarats, and it's even higher than the source because the source of will, the simple will that's the source of all will, is still desire. We're dealing with pre desire, God's very substance of self. It's higher than any will, its essence. And in Mashiach's soul, this will shine. Now, scripture alludes to this. This is not just Kabbalistic ideas, it's scripture itself alludes to this level by Mashiach. In, in Daniel, it says, when it's described that he has a vision. So it says over there as follows, amazing thing. It says, The ancient of days sits. His kingship is a kingship forever. And then he describes how I saw from the clouds this being, this human coming through the clouds of the sky, and he's placed in front of Atik Yoman. Who is that? That's Moshiach. So you see that Mashiach is placed and delivered in front of the innermost of the ancient of days. And on this level, over here, there can't be any changes, any fluctuations. In will, there could be fluctuation. But this is deeper than will. This is essence. Now, interesting, when he says, as it is explained regarding the 70 years of King David, what does he mean by that? It says that King David didn't have, when, when, when Adam, the first human being, who was before, when he was still a clump of clay laying on the ground, before he opened his eyes as the first human being, God showed him a, a literally a movie of all of humanity, of all of his descendants. All of history flashed in front of his eyes, in his conscious, in his, in his head, before he was born, before he opened his, he saw every generation. And its leaders, well, the good people, the bad people that will come from him. And um, then he saw one generation, and he saw there was this incredible br bright baby, which caught his attention. But the baby died as soon as it was born. He lived a few hours and died. And he, he was very bothered by it because it was an exceptional child. And he was very, and he asked God, "What's with this child?" And God said, "This child does not doesn't have life." And he said to him that this is the one who is, he's called David, King David. And, and Adam said, you know what, let me contribute 70 years of my life to him so he can live 70 years. So it says, so the, so the Talmud says that as a result of that, uh, Adam, the first human being, instead he was supposed to live a thousand years. He lived only 930 years. That's his age. He passed away when he was 930 because the 70 years was subtracted and it was transmitted to King David. Now, it explains in Hasidic term, in, in, in deeper Hasidism, in Kabbalistic writings, 
that Adam, besides Adam being the physical human Adam, Adam also represents the divine attributes. It's called Adam, the supernal human. And when it says he gives uh, King David 70 years, means he's giving on a spiritual level, he's creating the soul of David with the seven, seven emotions. Just like this, the, the supernal human is made up of the divine intelligence and divine emotions. So God is giving, God himself, which is the supernal Adam, is giving life to King David. David doesn't have his own life. He's living off God's life. That's why he was such a godly person. His life was God's life. However, it came from God's attributes, from God's emotions. King David's great, 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 great grandson, Mashiach, the ultimate King David, King David in his ultimate manifestation, his grandson, who is, King David was only the starter. It says about him that he doesn't either have life. Mashiach is also without life. That explains what I said yesterday, that the Rebbe says that Mashiach is here already, and then the Rebbe seems to have passed away. Because it says about Mashiach that he doesn't have life. And King David prays for his grandson. And he says, Chayim Shalmamcha, that Mashiach is seeking life. He's begging. But in the verse it says he's seeking life, Mimcha, from you, not from your attributes. Because it says Mashiach's life is not going to come from the divine attributes. Mashiach's life is plugging into the very essence of God, not his projections. And that's why Mashiach is going to bring a consciousness to the world that is way beyond ever. And when that is revealed, when that is unplugged into the world, there is no more evil. There's no more conflict. There's no more darkness. What's really exciting is that this is supposed to happen very, very soon, momentarily. So this is what he's saying over here. Shazal Ikara Hefresh. This is the main difference between David between King David to Mashiach. Amar David. And and David, when King David was praying and he said, You have redeemed in peace my soul, he knew it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime. He knew that his entire lifetime he's going to have conflict. But he was referring to his grandson. The soul of David, it's the same soul, but as it will be upgraded in the future. It will be elevated into the first three attributes of the ancient of days. And primordial man, much higher than Adam Arishon, than Adam Arishon. As it says about Mashiach, that he will be elevated very, very high. It says he, by Mashiach, it says he will be elevated ma'od very much. So ma'od from Mashiach is the same word as it says you should love God with all your might. Because Mashiach is the quint, Mashiach is the quint essence of this level of of all your might. When you, when you give up your will, it still causes pain. Go out and, if you can, go out and tell mom that another five, five minutes. Okay? Yeah, tell her another five minutes. Because she needs me. Tell her I'm going to be available in five minutes. I'm finishing the class. It's, there's pain to the animal soul. It's not peace. And it's not only the animal soul is, when the animal soul has not been transformed, the animal soul, when we're not, when we're not satisfying its desires, feels, feels, feels hurt, feels neglected. But he says it's not only problematic to the animal soul, it causes pain to the godly soul as well. Why? Because the animal soul is bothering the godly soul, that the godly soul doesn't either have is the, the godly soul, it, it becomes the godly soul's headache as well. Because the godly soul is being conflicted by the animal soul weighing it down. So it's painful to both what, until a person hasn't reached this level. Even though the godly soul itself doesn't have these these, these animalistic cravings and desires, and it doesn't feel pain when you know when I when 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 you know when it's when it's when it's eggs when it's omelet got burnt and it was expecting to eat it to have a good pizza or something and it got burnt the godly soul is not upset the animal soul is but since the animal soul is upset it bothers the godly soul as well but just this fight 
and just that it has to fight with the animal soul, that too causes pain. Because it still has an opposition. It's busy converting it. And more, the very fact that we still have a battle, it causes the godly soul to also become dirty. As remember we said, spoke in the beginning class, that when you're wrestling with a muddy person, you will become muddy. So the godly soul wrestling with the, when there's an internal conflict between our godly and our ungodly self, the godly soul will, the godly soul will also become um, um, filthy. By the filthy garments of the animal soul. can prevail over it and flip it over. Like person who fights with someone who's wrestling with someone who's filthy. Also, as long as we're busy rectifying and elevating sparks in which we have to go down into the mining fields, so you get dirty if you're extracting gold from a mining place. You get dirty by the by the dirt that's surrounding the gold. When you are arguing and debating someone, you become a little soiled by the by the arguments of the debater. It says regarding God that when God fights the final battle, God's clothing also gets dirty. God's the verse describes God coming back from the final battle with blood spot splattered clothing. But but once you reach a higher level then there's no more splattered blood because there's no more opposition. This is the idea of the redemption. You're redeemed in peace, my soul. When it says you're redeemed and saved, the godly soul has become saved from the opposing force of the animal soul, but in a way of peace, without any war, because the opposing force, bottle be'etzim, has become completely disintegrated. Kaniskaliel, the Kamoisha Kosov. Yeah. We'll leave it over here. We finished the page. And then he, he brings another few examples of this piece. But we're going to leave this to finish it, Bezos Hashem, in class number five. Stay tuned. I want to get it done today later. I'm traveling a little bit, but maybe hopefully later today, we can finish the last part of this class. Okay, all the best and happy and a, and a blessed month and a happy Hanukkah to all.